Um, I think there comes a point in our lives in which we can consume too much. Track with me. And the bad news is, I think that the world that we live in is full of consumerism. And I know that was a stretch. I get it. But, but often, often one of the things I've learned is without knowing it, we become kind of, we have the same kind of consumeristic mentality when it comes into our relationship with Christ and the church. I mean, think about it. We know, or at least we know people who, who go to a specific church because they like the worship. Or they go to uh, this other church because they really like the speaker. Or maybe this other church because they really, really like the community there. And sometimes we even pick and choose what verses in the Bible we're going to believe are really, really like, right? Ones about love or purpose and, and destiny. Um, those are the ones we really like. Or maybe there are probably ones that we think, ah, oh, they're probably not that relevant to my life. So those are the ones I'm not going to follow, right? We pick and choose. And those are the ones dealing with tithing or sexual immorality or idolatry. And see, underlining all of this is kind of this consumeristic mentality. And see, that's a problem because in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not about consumerism. It's actually about the exact opposite of that, and that is servanthood. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight. And so this question isn't going to make me popular at all, but the good news is I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to be your pastor. And so here's the question. How many of you come to church and you spectate and don't participate? So how many come week after week and you just you, you, you sit there, you spectate, but you don't actually participate in what the church is actually doing? Maybe you, you've been here for months now, or maybe you've been here for years now, and the reason your life really hasn't changed is because you just show up at church like it's an event, something that you go to instead of something that you actually participate in. And by the way, this conversation is more targeted towards people who, who, have, who are Christians and have been coming here for a while. If you're new and you're checking this place out, I'm super pumped you're here, and I'm, I promise I'm not normally this harsh. Um, but, but at some point, we would love to get you involved in what we do. And the reason being is that Christianity is meant to be active, and serving is one of the ways that the, I think Christ designed our faith to grow, not just outside of the church, but also inside the church. You and I are supposed to serve inside the church. And see, our faith instinctively grows the more we develop a Christ-centered servant's heart. And one of the ways we do that is by getting involved in what the church does. And the reason I think I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this last week, like what was something that I want to talk with you guys about as we were in this series? And this is the topic that kept coming to my mind as I was talking to God about what should I talk about this Sunday? And the reason I think I'm so passionate about this topic of spectator versus participant is a Christian who stays a spectator becomes kind of spiritually fat. And it's the word gluttony. And, and, and they develop kind of, I think, real heart problems. That is to say that they become unaware of what's actually going on in their heart because that they aren't really in a, in a community where others are helping them kind of see what's really going on in their life, what's really going on in their heart. And that's, by the way, that I think there's a verse in the Old Testament that speaks exactly to this. It's in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In other words, to really live out this Christian faith, we, we need each other. We need community and each other's involvement in our lives. And I've said this before because I think this quote is so awesome that the word intimacy before culture hijacked it literally meant just relationships that were vulnerable. Into me you see, right? It's where you have other people in your life that you're just vulnerable with. And that's what the, that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who are just allowing other people into our lives to see the crud, to see the good stuff, to see the bad stuff. Years ago, um, I had a high school student come up to me and tell me that he didn't... Uh, like Seacoast because, in quote, he wasn't getting fed. And that's one of my favorite things when people tell me that. I love that. I, I love it. When people, oh, I'm just not really getting fed here because then I get to ask a series of questions. And, and he said he wasn't getting fed because he didn't re we didn't read the Bible verse by verse and we didn't do hymns. Therefore, he wasn't growing. So I, I listened to his concerns and I just asked, all right, well, do you work? And he said, yeah, I work. And I said, okay, do you tithe? And he said, Mm, what is that? I was like, okay, you don't. Uh, <laughs> and I said, are, are you currently serving anywhere? Like, are you, are you in the kids ministry, in the youth ministry? Are you helping greet? Are you doing anything? And he said, 
no, like I'm not, currently I'm not serving anywhere. I said, interesting. Because essentially what this kid was saying was, others may be satisfied with the sermons here, but I've grown beyond that and I need something deeper. And since I'm more spiritually mature than everybody else, I need, I need something better. I need something deeper. And whenever I hear that, I'm not being fed, I immediately know that it's some indication of some like a spiritual drift in somebody's life. When people feel guilty about a moral failure or an unconfessed sin in their life, they often blame the pastor for not inspiring them or motivating them to conquer it. And, and in reality, it's really their own disobedience that, that makes them feel distant from God. So with this kid, um, I heard his complaints to the best that I possibly could, and compassionately I said this. Um, I said, could it quite be possible that you feel distant from God, not because I'm not teaching the Bible verse by verse, but because you're having sex with your girlfriend and you think I don't know? And he just stood there like, duh. <laughs> like, he was like, ah. And I was like, could, could that be the actual reason? And he just froze. And I said, listen, I said, dude, the holier than, the holier than thou mentality isn't going to get you anywhere. And dude, I care about you. So humble yourself, actually live the lifestyle you're proclaiming to live, and serve somewhere. Get involved in what we're doing. And here's why I tell you this story. Could it be possible that the reason some of you feel distant from God or stagnant in your faith is because you're expecting others to feed you and you haven't learned to be a self-feeder? So I'm like legit the most awkward person you've ever seen around babies. Like I hold them there like, like an expensive glass vase. I'm just, I think most guys are like this. For some reason, girls just have this innate ability to like pick up a baby and the baby's not crying and they're not crying and it's, everything's okay, right? But like I'm the most awkward person you've ever seen around a baby. And Cody, Cody knows this about me. He's my brother-in-law. And um, when he had Sienna, he would try to get me to hold her and stuff like all of the time. And I would like jet out of the way. He'd like be handing his me kid. I'd be like, you're going to drop her. Like there's zero chance I'm picking her up, right? And uh, this one time I was over at his house. And he's distracting me with something. He's like, look over there. And he like hands me his kid. So now I'm like on the couch with this ticking time bomb, right? And, and I don't know what to do, right? So he's like, you got to feed her or she's going to cry. And so like he hands me the, the bottle and I put the bottle in her mouth and I'm just staring at her like, do I, do I sing to her? Do I, I don't know what I do, right? I'm like super awkward. And, uh, and we're looking at each other and eventually the bottle falls out of her mouth and she like starts to cry. And so then I start to cry and I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's like, you got to put the bottle back in her mouth. So I pick the bottle back up and I put the bottle back in, in, in Sienna's mouth and then she starts, you know, going kind of back down, but I'll never for look, I'll never forget the look that she gave to me. It was like, aren't you going to put that bottle back in my mouth so I can get some food? And I've met a lot of Christians over the years who approach their faith in the exact same manner. I mean, that, that it's another person's job to grow them. I mean, sure, those aren't conscious thoughts. They would never articulate it in that way, but nevertheless, it, it is, that, that's their mentality. Now, you apply that same logic to really anything else, and you'll see how silly it really looks. Imagine if I, I said, dude, I'm getting fat because you're not eating healthy and going to the gym. You'd go, the heck, like what? That doesn't even make sense. But much like getting physically healthy requires your involvement, so does getting spiritually healthy. And at our, at our life stage, I understand that this is a, is a challenge because we have a lot going on, right? You're going to school. Most of you work. You're trying to balance all your Tinder dates. That's still a thing. Is Tinder still a thing? <laughs> right? But you're trying to figure out, like, what's going on in your social life and your dating life and all these other things, right? And I get it. I get it. You're busy. But here's something that I think you and I need to understand is that if Satan can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. In other words, he's going to make you unproductive by putting things in your life that you think are important then in the large scheme of things, in the, in the large picture of eternity, aren't actually really important. And at the core of your busyness and the reason that we don't get involved as we know we should is a misconception on what you and I are to prioritize in this life. You and I have been taught the wrong pattern to live by. And this is why Paul urges us, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And this is one of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament because I think it speaks to three extremely important aspects of the Christian faith. First, the imagery of do not conform to the pattern of this world is one of like, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It has a pattern of what a young adult is supposed to look like. Don't allow it to squeeze you into the mold of what it means to be a young adult. You have to actively kind of work against that mold, that pattern that's going to be impressed upon you. And second, to avoid being conformed to the world not only requires our conscious effort, it requires transformation from the inside out. And that is an intentional process where you're coming before God daily and saying, how am I asserting my own will in my life and not elevating yours? And the third is the transformation it requires is a constant renewed mind which comes through prayer. And it comes through God's word and it comes up being involved in the church. See, the pattern of this world is really all about consumerism. And that's what I want to spend some time talking about today because Paul is urging us not to follow that pattern. But it takes our effort not to really be squeezed into its mold. Let, let's think about it for a second. So this last week, I was, um, like, I always wait till like, the end of the week to, like, look over all of my emails. But I've, like, waited an entire month to really, like, look at all, a bunch of my emails. So I had, like, hundreds of emails I had to, like, filter through this last week. And then I had a bunch of mail that I didn't read. So I had to, like, filter through all of that and stuff this last week. And I was surprised to see how many different invitations I had, offers and ads, things that I was supposed to buy, things were promising to make me six foot four and super happy and everything else, right? And I was getting literally the most random requests for things like uh, super cheap pizzas and uh, cheap leases on cars and plane tickets for $3 to Hawaii. And literally, these are just a few. And my favorite one was a new type of makeup that would make my skin look, quote, OMG gorgeous so I could finally be happy. And the best part about this is it was literally addressed to me, not Chelsea. So I was like, how many girls in the world are named Matt? I was like, what? But anyways, so think about this for a second, right? You and I are hit and bombarded with like daily from every angle and are taught from the earliest of ages that the pattern of our lives that you and I need to follow for happiness or whatever it be is the one of consumerism. I was reading an article this last week of, that, of our culture's effect actually on the Christian church when it comes to um, consumerism. And I'll read part of it because I think it's super insightful. It's from a psychologist named Pete Ward. He says that consumerism represents an alternative source of meaning to the Christian gospel. No longer merely an economic system, consumerism has become the American worldview, the framework through which we interpret everything else, including God, the gospel, and the church. He says, when we approach Christianity as consumers rather than seeing it as a comprehensive way of life, as a way that changes us, as a way of, of a, with a lifestyle and a pattern... Christianity becomes just one more brand we consume along with Apple and Starbucks to express our identity. And the demotion of Jesus Christ from Lord to label means to live as a Christian no longer carries an expectation of obedience, good works, and involvement in the church, but rather the perpetual consumption of Christian merchandise and experiences. So in other words, it, it was saying this. Approaching Christianity as a brand rather than a worldview, a way of life, explains why the majority of people who identify themselves as Christians live no differently than those who don't claim to be Christians. And then an, I, I was reading a Barna study this last week, and it, and it said that um, most churchgoers have not adopted a biblical worldview. That is a model of, of following Christ. They have simply added a Jesus fish or a he is greater than I sticker on the bumper of their identities. And I was like, ouch, right? I was like, dang, that is personal. And the article goes on to say that you and I, or uh, the, the Christian church in, in large, has combined the American dream, the pursuit of happiness, and that white fence that we want for some reason, with the Christian worldview, and we have learned to become Christian consumers because of it. And by the way, for those of you who care about philosophical terms, this is called moral therapeutic deism. 
And this, this is the reason that many of us have entered into or have in the past or at least will in the future chase some emotional high that we think will woo us back into God's presence. We, we, we have based so much of our faith off this emotional feeling because it's a consumeristic mindset. And the essence of that is really spiritual dissatisfaction because we've been taught the wrong model of how, we, of how our faith really works, how it grows. Americans in large have really made the church and God pretty egocentric, and that really is what consumerism is about. It's about self. It's about ego. And at this point, I was thinking through how to kind of go, how to kind of continue this conversation, and, and there were two thoughts that came to my mind. There's really two messages that are here. The first is, are you looking for others to grow your faith, and are you really living biblically? Are you looking for others to grow your faith, and are you living biblically? Matthew 5, 8, Jesus knows that you went out of this tension. And so he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, there are people who are claiming to be on my team, right? There are people who are claiming to be a Christian, that go to church and that they're involved in and what I want them to be a part of, but they're not actually on my team. I think one of the scariest verses in the entire New Testament is, is where people, after they pass away, Jesus says, well, come to me. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, we not prophesy in your name. Do we not cast out demons? In other words, do we not do all those things? Do you remember that one mission trip we went on, that one time we went to that one church, that one time we raised our arms? Do you remember all of the things that we did for you, that one Devo that I read, that one faith conversation I had? Do you remember all of the things I did for you, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, do not prophesy in your name. Do not cast out demons. And I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. There are going to be, sadly, millions of Christians who pass away that are convinced that they have a relationship with God to die. They find out that they don't. And that's because they've adopted a consumeristic mindset when it comes to their faith. That is terrifying. And I was thinking about this last week and thinking, God, I hope nobody in any of the ministries that I get to do and, 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 and the people's involved that the lives that I get to be a part of never are convinced that they're in when they're not. Never are convinced that they're actually a spectator or a participant when, they, when, they, when they're actually a spectator. See, a spectator doesn't really change because they don't have to. They can sit back in the stands and eat their hot dog. But if you're a participant, you have to change because you're being a part of a team. And being a part of a team, team changes you and, and it holds you accountable to something. If I tell you a story, you cannot tell my mom if she ever comes here for some bizarre reason, all right? So growing up, we used to go to this little church. And um, in one morning, we were in a really like quick rush to get there. And, uh, and we we're merging onto the freeway. And I'll never forget this. As we were merging onto the freeway, I guess my mom like accidentally like cut somebody off or something. And, uh, and so I was three. I was in the back uh, in a car seat. And, and, and the person like honking their horn. They roll down the window and they flip my mom off, right? And so my mom rolls down her window like this and she flips the person back off, right? And so I'm in the back thinking my mom's saying good morning to this person. And I go, and she says, yeah, buddy, you too. And I go, yeah, buddy, you too, right? <laughs> and so finally we end up getting to church. And uh, my mom didn't talk about any of it until she was still irritated. And so she walks me into the children's program, right? And I'll never forget this. One of the, the people, the leaders there says, good morning, Matt. To which I said, good morning. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so what the person ended up saying was, what? Like, where on earth did you learn that from? I said, oh, my mom in the parking lot. And she's like, what? Right? So she went and talked to my mom and my mom was pissed that I told her um, uh, that story. And that's a true story, I swear. And it's also a silly one, but I think it proves somewhat of a point. Not that my mom was somewhere 20-something years ago in her faith, but that more of a question I was thinking through. Has your faith 
changed you as a person? Has, it, has knowing Christ changed your priorities, your actions, your thoughts? Has it changed the way that you react, by the way, to certain things, like getting cut off? By the way, you'll, you'll find out how like, deep your faith is by like, how you are when people cut you off or in traffic. Like One of the things I've learned is I have a far more shallow of a faith because every time I go on the freeway, I'm like, I call more people idiots and stupid and cuss under my breath than I ever thought, right? Because I'm like, like, I'm reactionary and stuff like that. So the real question is, has knowing Christ changed you as an individual? Has it changed the way you react to things? Has it changed what you're doing with your life? Has it changed your priorities? Has it changed your action? Has it changed your language? Has it changed your behaviors? And Paul talked about this because he knew that you went out of a consumer mindset, or, or he knew that consumer Christians are, are like infants who need others to feed them and others to change them. And that's why he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 and 3. It says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still world worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. It means your actions are, are, are no different than the rest of the world's. In other words, you are not spiritually mature if you are constantly looking to others, including the church, to be the sole thing that feeds your faith and you're living a worldly lifestyle, which means an unbiblical one. And the second part of this, uh, this message is when it comes to your faith, are you wearing a bib instead of an apron? And what I mean by that is, well, let me, let me I'll give you an example. Um, if you've been coming to church for a while, we would love to get you involved. And there are tons of ministries around here that you guys can get involved in. And we would love for you to get involved. Let me give you a quick maybe example. So imagine that, um, so in high school I was in wrestling. And um, I remember my senior year, I, I won uh, this big competition and uh, this big tournament. And what ended up happening was my, my, I saw my parents run down the stands and they ran over to me and gave a big hug and congratulated me and whatever it was. Now imagine, imagine that my parents come running down the stands, go right past me, run up to the ref, pick the ref up and just start congratulating the ref. How odd of a scene that would be. You'd be like, what? Like that doesn't even make sense because... Nobody is impressed with the win-loss record of a ref. You must get involved to make a difference and have an impact. And God wants your life to have an impact and make a difference in this world. And by the way, that is the reason that God created you. It's not for yourself. It's to make an impact in other people's lives. And so as we really end tonight, I want to ask you two questions. The first is this. Have you learned to be a self-feeder? Or are you still relying on others to be like the sole thing that are feeding into your faith? So... Uh, months ago, I, I gave a, a way to, like, to be a self-feeder, and it was an acrostic called SOAP. And so if you have your notes and, and you don't know this before, take, take these notes. Like, this is, this is something that's been a game changer in my faith. Well, every time I, I, I every morning when I, when I read the Bible, this is like an, an acrostic thing that I do. It's SOAP. The S stands for scripture. That's the thing that, that you're reading. So if it's the book of Matthew, chapter 27, you read Matthew, chapter 27, and you write down one verse that sticks out to you. Then the O stands for observation. That's your observation. That's the thing that you're like, this is what I'm seeing. A stands for application. That's the part where you're like, okay, in light of all of this, this is how I'm applying that to my life. And P stands for prayer. In light of my observations, a lot of um, how I'm going to apply this into my life, God, will you help me apply this to my life? Soap, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's been a game changer. And almost every devotional, there's actually a devotional that's literally entitled Self-Feeder, and, and that's where I got this from, the, the acrostic soap. And the second thing is, when it comes to your faith, are you a spectator or are you participating in God's plan in your life and for this world? And then that includes you being involved in this church. Because here's the reality. We cannot live 
We cannot have life-changing experiences unless we change our life and we get involved. So the last two things I guess I want to I challenge you with is this. If you want to get involved in, in one of the ministries here, if it's youth ministries, then, then talk with me. DM me on Instagram or come talk with me after this or whatever it is. I would love to get you involved. Maybe you want to get involved in this community here. There's these cards on the table over there. I would love to get you involved in one of the teams that are here. So much of our faith is active, and that's the way that we grow in Christ. And the last thing is if you want to get involved in any of the ministries here, then, then go on our website and email somebody. All of the emails are on our website. We would love to get you guys involved.